electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. God, people are make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is to entertain and explain. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Maybe, just maybe, we're finally having that long-awaited correction. And if that's true, sell, 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 sell. I say bring it on. I think the new year has been way too facile versus what's happening in the world. So maybe it is time for a little pullback. Not big, little. Today's action, Dow falling 232 points. S&P losing 0.37%. NASDAQ declining 0.19%. Feels like a good start. Although the NASDAQ's furious rally into the close shows there's still a ton of buying power out there. Well, I am not a bear. We have too many stocks that have gone parabolic, meaning they're straight up. And they're going straight up on nothing. There's no reason why these companies have stocks that make software, for instance, help, that help you sell product, should be able to rally this relentlessly and endlessly. They just keep rising as one analyst after another raises their price targets and really nothing more. We see the same behavior for anything that measures or analyzes data. Nothing's happened to warrant that rally. I could even argue that cybersecurity needs to calm down. We own some of these stocks from a Chapel Trust. I don't want to lose them. I don't want them to lose their mojo. But we made some sales because they're simply up too much for the same reason over and over and over again. Multiple and multiple expansion. That's right. They do not make a solid rally. You can't have momentum and multiple. Momentum and multiple drive stocks. But that's what's driving things. See, look, I don't want to see an Apple stock go down or Tesla be upended. I'm a huge believer in the Magnificent Seven, but they, too, need to rest up unless they have actual fresh good news to report. I mean, some do think NVIDIA, where pricing is held up while demand is continuous to rise. And most importantly, they worked with the Commerce Department to create chips that China's using for gaming to protect the market. Remember, we thought they were going to lose that China market. I also like the stock of Microsoft because it's got this new revenue stream from its co-pilot artificial intelligence helper, and apparently it's doing quite well. I also think that ServiceNow is winning a huge number of clients who want to figure out how to integrate artificial intelligence into their day-to-day business. That stock is a... Bye, bye, bye! But, man, there are plenty of companies out there I mean, that are moving aggressively into AI who really have no idea what they're doing, and many others say they're moving into AI, but I, I think they may just be using souped-up spreadsheets for all I know. No matter what, you just can't have the same stocks go up and up and up on the same old news. And as I see it, that's what's happening. Momentum and multiple expansion. Any stock that's going parabolic is a candidate... Sell, sell, sell! To decline here. I think that most of this market's recent rally stems from Fed's decision to pause the rate hikes because of a belief that the economy's cooling. But we need to take a breath on this one, too. As I'll detail later in the show, since the pivot, nothing's happened to indicate that anything's getting weaker in price. The Fed wants to bring us past the tipping point where prices start coming down. Should we ignore what Fed Governor Waller said today about measured rate cuts? Look, when we left here Friday, 
Those who follow this stuff closely, and a lot of people do, were signaling that Waller's going to be the new resident dove. They don't explain why rate cuts are so important. He didn't. I think he actually did the opposite. How can I expect a series of rate cuts when even the Fed's resident dove, the one who kicked off this whole peak interest narrative uh, in the fall, doesn't sound like he wants to go that far? It's not like we're getting employment reports that show massive layoffs or lower wages. We just have few layoffs and slower wage growth. I know it's not in keeping with the soft landing thesis that I favor, but we may need to see some wage degradation to prevent inflation from reigniting when there are cuts. I mean, that's Jay Powell's goal. He needs to truly beat inflation before he can start putting through even one rate cut. Listen, I'm not in the camp that says we're in a perilous, dangerous time, ally Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan, but I do believe that there's more risk of an oil rally here. Wall Street's been totally dismissive of the armed conflict in the Middle East, even as the shipping's been shut down in the Red Sea. Yet at the same time, we know from Carly Garner, our resident commodity analyst, that this is seasonally a very positive time for oil. And she thinks it's found a floor and there's not much of a ceiling until maybe we get close to $100 a barrel. Hey, we're talking about 20 bucks from here. Wow. Unfortunately, and that's for one kind, 25 for some for the West Texas. Unfortunately, higher oil prices intrude way too much into the pricing of everything that we buy. And since the Fed's goal is price stability, it's the last thing you want to see. I just don't want to ignore it like everyone else seems to be doing because this Red Sea conflict, I don't know about you, it seems to get worse every day. What else? I'm in favor of cryptocurrencies. I think everyone has a right to own them, but I am not in favor of rank speculation or cheerleading for something that went up largely because there was endless talk about an exchange-traded product that would be approved. We got to sell the news reaction on Friday, then stabilize again today. I think it probably stabilize for a couple days. But uh, meanwhile, you can't have you can't have the following happen that really steams me. You have apostles like Kathy Wood talking about Bitcoin soaring 3,000% even from here. Now, I hear things like that, and I, I want to say, even if you believe it's going to go much higher, please be responsible about it. Don't encourage that kind of rank speculation on this one, too. Historically, it's cost people a great deal of money to do that. Kathy Wood can get away with it because it's just so outrageous. The price is so high, the time frame is so far out, 2030, that it can make people feel sanguine about buying it right now, right here, even after a massive run. When you get these targets like this, they make people feel very comfortable about buying it. They kind of lull them into it. Because even if it goes down in the near term, well, people think that they'll be eventually all right. They're so comfortable buying it, what do they do? And this is the inflationary part. They borrow money to buy more, and then they actually do get hurt if the story doesn't pan out, which is often, frankly, the case. Why doesn't anyone call Kathy Wood out on this? Is it really just fine that she does this kind of ridiculous hype, but no one else does? Does she have a license to hurt people simply because she believes in this stuff? What's up next? Say a 5,000 target in 2032? I mean, why not? She'll get away with it. There's no accountability when it comes to her projections. Now that there are some segments in this market that are acting reasonably, and I like that, sellers of the financials recognize that those stocks need uh, kind of a let's say a rest, not a retest, but a rest. They're coming down at a reasonable pace, and I will. I, I think that they are resetting in a way that I like. I believe we may have started to see some reversals in healthcare after the hype from last week's JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. Again, I like some of these companies, but I feel it's important that their stocks come down before you buy them. You'll hear more about that in a moment. Nothing wrong with waiting for a better pitch. Hey, just ask the people who paid $176 for JP Morgan after the best quarter of the bunch and now find themselves having serious indigestion with the stock down to 168 
That said, I think J.P. Morgan can now be bought after this decline. Hey, by the way, same with Morgan Stanley after we no doubt get some downgrades tomorrow because a lot of people sold it today thinking that there's not enough leverage when it comes to the wealth management business. Naturally, oil and gas make a lot more sense if you, like me, believe that prices are going to be on the rise. I'm warming up to aerospace and defense because analysts have hammered that group endlessly since the Boeing fiasco began. Even as I see no real end to the hostilities in the Middle East or Ukraine, I don't know how many customers Boeing can really lose this time. I suspect none. I mean, what else are they going to do? Go to Airbus with that waiting list? But the bottom line, I say let this market come in. It deserves a chance to correct, even as some parts of it already have. Let's take questions. Let's go to Sheila in Tennessee. Sheila. Hi, Jim. Booyah. How are you? Booyah, Sheila. I'm good. How about you? I'm fabulous. Thank you. Um, I'm calling you today about Blackstone. I'd like your insights on whether I should hold it because it seems to be taking a dip like a lot of stocks. Um, still got a decent profit in it, but I don't want to ride that profit all the way down. Right, right. And uh, should I sell it and invest in something else? I'm thinking about maybe short-term six to 12-month treasury. Um, you're not going to get hurt doing that. I, I would prefer you to sell only a third of it. Keep two-thirds and sell one-third, Sheila. I would feel much more comfortable after this run. Let's go to Jerry in Missouri. Jerry. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course, Jerry. We just were out in Missouri. I loved it. What's happening? Well, last week, you interviewed the CEO of the rental car giant. They had announced that they were liquidating a large portion of their electric vehicles. The stock the stock is now down to the level it was when it emerged from bankruptcy a couple of years ago. Do you see this as a buying opportunity? or is Yes, I do. Actually, what they announced last week was that the cash flow was improving, not getting worse. I thought this was crazy. I think Steve Scher is doing a good job in a tough environment. At 8 bucks. I want you to, yes, pull the trigger. Let's go to Josh in Florida. Josh. Hey, Jim Booyah. I'm calling about Norwegian Cruise Lines. I uh, asked you about a year and a half ago if I should buy it. You said no at the time. Meanwhile, bookings are way up. Oil prices have come down a little bit. Wondering if you think it's a buy now. Um, I prefer uh, Royal Caribbean. They seem like Royal Caribbean can do no wrong in the eyes of the stock market. All it does is go higher in good days and bad. RCL is the one I think has the most. Let, what's the technical term for it? Mojo. Okay, let's uh, think about this, all right? I think it's time we let the market come in before we do any more buying. There's a chance to correct. I told you the sectors that maybe have already corrected. They're interesting to me. And some have others other, have a, a bit uh, of a way down to go. Well, man, money tonight, after being out in sub-zero weather in Kansas City, got me thinking, is it time to maybe start thinking about the natural gas landscape now that the stocks have cratered? I'm updating my thesis on charitable trust named Kotara and seeing where it fits in. Then it was a big weekend for football, despite, uh, yes, an Eagles loss, and my team, the Chiefs, won. I see one name in the space that has pulled back that I think could capitalize on the increased eyeballs on the sport, and I'll reveal what it is. And Goldman Sachs is out with a note saying the money, money managers are overweight healthcare stocks. Where do I come down? I'll give you my thesis on the cohort, and I'm going to share five big ideas that I think are... Bye, bye, bye. You got it. I have... Oh, I like these for the new year. So stay with Kramer. Kramer. 
don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This past weekend, a cold front leaked down from Canada and covered much of our country. I thought of myself in Kansas City on Saturday night with temperatures touching negative 9 degrees during the Chiefs-Dolphin game. Trust me, it felt, it felt much colder than that. In fact, more than 80% of America experienced sub-zero temperatures last night, while 140 million people live in areas placed under wind chill advisories or warnings over the last couple of days. I think it looks like we're going to have a cold winter for once. This cold snap has me thinking that maybe it's time to review the natural gas landscape, which is showing signs of life after what you can only call a lost year. And if we're feeling more bullish in natural gas, which is used a lot for people's heat, heating homes, right, especially after today's big decline because the forecast of some warmer weather coming our way, then that might mean it's time to buy Kotara Energy, C-T-R-E, CTRA. That's a natural gas-focused exploration production company, which we own for the Chapel Trust. It can switch to oil if it needs to. It's got that level of flexibility. Remember, after Russia first invaded Ukraine nearly two years ago, natural gas prices went on a remarkable run from around 4 bucks to a high of around $10 in August of 2022. There was all sorts of interest in the natural gas space at the time because just the United States natural gas industry seemed like it would be a beneficiary as more international markets began to take our country's liquefied natural gas exports. We're a huge exporter. But then enthusiasm in the space fizzled. It got warm in Europe. Price of nat gas tumbled more than 80% to below 2 bucks at its lows in March. And, oh, man, was it a bad time. Main culprit, an unseasonably warm winter across large parts of the world, including here in the U.S. and in Europe. So with Central Park 
getting its first inch of snow in seven or one days last night. And Texas experiencing its lowest temperature since February 2021. Hey, maybe the natural gas group could be in vogue again, even as most people are poo-pooing this thesis. Since bottoming last March, natural gas prices have already made a bit of a comeback. They rose slowly but surely from late March until late October, topping out at $3.63 on Halloween. But that recovery was interrupted with a quick pullback to around $2.25 in mid-December. Hey, then a new run began in just over a month now. The price of natural gas jumped more than 30%, ending last week at $3.31 ahead of the expected cold snap. Now, full disclosure. With the end of this cold snap in sight, natural gas prices pulled back significantly today. Sell, 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 sell. Okay, it, they were down nearly 15%. I'm giving you the whole negatives here. And falling below $3 once again. It's the worst decline almost a year. But you see, that's fine. That's why I'm doing the piece. Because do you really believe the cold weather's over? I mean, more importantly, you have to think about natural gas price trends. Not, not just to day-to-day moves or this week. And the uptrend over the past 10 months or so is still in place. And yes, I know we've got a lot of natural gas, but we don't necessarily have to presume it's going to get warm forever this winter. I'll give you a general rule of thumb. You want to be buying the stocks that you like, I know this is going to sound a little soporific, when they're down, giving you a good entry point rather than chasing them when they're on fire. The stock of Kotara dipped nearly 3% today in sympathy with the commodity. It's now trading at its lowest level since mid-December. So this is your chance, people. Why Kotara in particular? They've been on twice last year. You can check them out. We actually added to our position this one for the Travel Trust last Tuesday. As the CNBC Investing Club explained to subscribers at the time, previous worries about an oversupply of natural gas have indeed faded. And after the last few days, any concerns about oversupply, I think, is just downright silly. The cold weather we're experiencing can impact supply and demand in multiple ways. And not not only boosting demand, because this is what heats most people's homes, but also negatively impacting production. When Texas has its lowest temperatures in years, that's not good for getting this stuff out of the ground, is it? At the same time, Qatar's excellent management team has been putting very shrewd, they've been very shrewd about putting his capital to work. See, that means if I'm right about the idea that spot prices for natural gas are headed higher, then Kodara's ultra-low production costs will translate into higher profits. And these guys are very good about returning profits to you, the shareholders, and they do it via dividends and buybacks. They don't want to squander their money on excessive production growth, thank heavens, because when everybody in the industry does that, well, that is just lethal to pricing. Now, look, I'm not the only one who's been confident about Kotara, but this is really important because it says to me something's really up here. Since the beginning of December, no less than four analysts, four, have upgraded the stock to a buy or a buy equivalent. In fact, from December 11th through December 14th, three analysts from Citi, Wells Fargo, and UBS upgraded the stock to a buy uh, with price targets ranging from $30 to $31. That'd be pretty, that's impressive, given that the stock currently trades just under 25. The analysts at Citi even named Kotara as their top pick for 2024. And that's despite not even being that bullish on natural gas in general. They're actually expecting a tougher environment. Yet that's the reason you recommended Kotara, because it has some of the lowest production costs in the industry. Some would say the absolute lowest. The latest upgrade came earlier this month when Bank of America took Kotara to a buy rating with an unchanged price target of 31. This was also part of a 2024 outlook note, and the commentary was similar to the city call in December. The Bank of America analyst has taken what he calls a defensive stance towards energy this year and said that with a cautious outlook toward that sector, Kotaro offers one of the best risk-reward balances in the industry. 
So this was the general consensus in the energy sector in Qatar in particular. Tough outlook for the group, but Qatar is a good choice for that difficult backdrop. Now, though, the calculus is changing. Last week, we heard the bull case for oil from Carly Garner, who thinks West Texas Intermediate crude can make a run towards $100. And with this cold snap, we've got reason to believe that natural gas may also stay higher than previously expected. That makes the nat gas-focused Kotara look, to me, a lot more enticing. Let me add one more wrinkle, though. Starting late last year, we've seen a spate of takeovers in the energy space, including some huge deals like Exxon's mobile acquisition of Pioneer Natural Resources. Club members know because we caught that one. Chevron's bid to buy Hess, both of which were in the 50 to $60 billion range. Also been some mid-sized deals, Occidental snapping up privately held Crown Rock. Chesapeake Energy's intended acquisition of Southwestern Energy, $12 billion range. Qatar's market capitalization is around $19 billion, so just a bit bigger than these mid-sized deals, and far lower than the mega-sized Pioneer Hess deals. If Qatar's stock can't get moving sometime soon, maybe management, I don't know, if they could sell the company or maybe just you know, kick the tires, give some potential steps about something that could happen here. Let me give you the bottom line. Qatar has a lot of ways to win. The stock was already getting a lot of attention when Wall Street thought natural gas would be in bad shape. Now it's looking like the environment might be much better for pricing after the latest snap. Sure, natural gas pulled back today. I'm not hiding that. But if the winter remains cold, I think it can at least stay closer to $3 than 2 And finally, if Qatar's stock still can't get moving, the newly acquisitive energy companies might just want to kick the tires of the company with the best cost structure in the entire nat gas industry. Mad Money is back after the break. Coming up, Kramer shivered his way through Saturday's NFL action. His DraftKings poised to profit this postseason? Keep it here. Now is the time to embrace a new wave of workers. Every day, your team grows younger, more digital, and more drawn to entirely new ways of working, which means you need flexible solutions to connect them where business gets done. T-Mobile for Business was born digital. With America's largest 5G network, we can make it easier to work together from virtually anywhere. Your team may be changing, but with the right tech, it can be more productive than ever before. Get started at tmobile.com slash now. If you're like me, you probably spent several hours, hey, maybe even 30 of them this past weekend, watching football. Despite having to overcome sub-zero temperatures in Kansas City, where I was Friday and Saturday, and a blizzard in Buffalo that caused a 24-hour delay for the Bills-Steelers matchup, the weekend was an unmitigated success for the NFL. Hey, we know that our parent company, Comcast, is happy. The Chiefs-Dolphins game on Saturday drew an average audience of roughly 23 million viewers on the Peacock, making it the largest live stream event in U.S. history. I work for Comcast, but I don't mind hitting that button. Wags were expecting much lower numbers, and games on traditional networks all did well, too. The NBC games on Saturday and Sunday, they earned average audiences of 29 and 36 million viewers, respectively. Fox's Sunday game between the Packers and the Cowboys, who have reported 40 million viewers. Wow. Long story short, the ratings of all these playoff games were huge. There's a tremendous level of interest in the NFL right now, and with four great matchups coming up next weekend, I bet it continues. Of course, when I see a trend like this, my first thought is, all right, how do we profit from it? Sure, the media companies broadcasting each game are winners, but they also pay a fortune to the NFL to get the rights. Not as clear cut. Wait a second. Instead, I want to recommend DraftKings, which has emerged from a couple years of intense competition. 
as the market share leader in online betting, sports betting. This stock was one of the biggest winners this year. It was up 209%, but it stalled out in December and has pulled back over the past couple of weeks. But when DraftKings pulls back, just as the NFL playoffs are racking up major ratings, well, guess what? That's right. You're getting a great buying opportunity for DraftKings. Now, remember, the first pillar of the DraftKings bull thesis is simple. They've already won. They're the leader in online sports betting roughly five years since the Supreme Court legalized the practice. At first, it looked like FanDuel and DraftKings were emerging as double winners. But last year, DraftKings surpassed them in market share. And right now, they got a lot more momentum. They have a fantastic daily fantasy business that makes watching even blowout fourth quarters interesting. Good synergy with the networks there, by the way. In short, DraftKings is a last-minute standing story, like Uber and Rideshare or DoorDash and food delivery. Now that the battle for market share is over, and the whole industry is more focused on boosting profitability, these companies can spend far less on marketing, advertising, and incentives to pull in new users. Sure enough, DraftKings is operating much, much more profitably than it used to. This is pretty amazing. See, the company achieved its first quarter of positive earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization in the second quarter of last year. Uh, though that number turned negative again in the next quarter for 2023, they should have an EBITDA loss of 95 to 115 million. Put that in perspective. When DraftKings first gave you an EBITDA forecast for 2023, they originally were projecting 475 to 575 million dollars in losses. So last year turned out to be a lot better than expected, and that's what matters. More important, when the company reported its third quarter results in November, it also rolled out its full year 2024 forecast, and that included an EBITDA target of positive, positive. $350 million to $450 million. I love to get involved in these situations when a company's moving from unprofitability to profitability because the dynamics of the industry have changed. And the, the DraftKings textbook example. In terms of earnings per share, the analysts expect that to turn positive next year. That is going to be something you've got to be in ahead of. Now, even though DraftKings has pivoted to profitability, they're still racking up terrific revenue growth. In the first three quarters of 2023, they had 84%, 88%, and 57% revenue growth, respectively. Wall Street expects them to do 48% when we see their fourth quarter numbers. Also, worth noting, the company's beaten revenue expectations for eight straight quarters at this point. So don't be surprised if the actual fourth quarter number is a lot higher than 48%. One thing you need to remember, DraftKings has been growing like crazy, despite the fact that it can't do business in California or Texas because they haven't legalized sports betting. And the numbers so far don't include Florida either because sports betting only in It became legal there in December. See, Florida's weird because the rights to this business all belong to the Seminole tribe and its partners. So I have no idea if or how DraftKings can thread that needle. But if California or Texas ever made it legal and a lot of other states still haven't legalized it, DraftKings should get a major boost. On top of everything else, you need to keep in mind that this stock tends to do well during the NFL postseason. Out of curiosity, we went back to check to see how DraftKings performed from the new year until just before the Super Bowl in each of the past three years. And in two of the three years, it's been a great stock dome. Got a 37% rally 2021, 40% rally 2023. All right, in 2022, the stock got hit with a, 20, with a 15% sell-off. Don't forget, though, January 2022, was, that, that was a total time for, uh, for any stock and every stock, okay? It was particularly unprofitable stocks like this one. Granted, it's a small sample size, but two out of three ain't bad. Overall, it sure looks like DraftKings is a solid bet during the NFL pro season, averaging a 21% gain over this period over the last three years. I wouldn't necessarily expect such a large move again because this is now a larger company. But let's just say the trend is your friend. Look, I've liked DraftKings for a while, and I've been right. This was a difficult story when the sports betting industry was getting flooded with infinite money from venture capital firms. Following everybody in the business to advertise, it it made everyone advertise like crazy and promote the heck out of their services. 
But that money dried up a while ago. And now DraftKings has emerged as the online sports betting champion at a time when they can finally get away with cutting costs because everybody else is doing it, too. So let me give you the bottom line on this fascinating story. Now that DraftKings has pulled back a bit from its highs over the past month and a half, and after we saw the incredible public interest in the first weekend of the NFL playoffs, I am feeling like you're getting this terrific buying opportunity of the stock. If you don't already own the stock of DraftKings, you should consider adding position, especially for the next couple of weeks. It's seemingly the whole country's watching. The NFL. Let's go to Blake in Tennessee. Blake. Hey, booyah, Jimmy Chill, from a very happy club member who is looking forward to seeing what you, Jeff, and the team have set up for the next monthly meeting. Well, we're going to have a good time. I just was kicking for, uh, back and forth some notes with Jeff this very weekend about the meeting. What's going on? Hey, Jim, I did some homework on this company that uh, I actually heard you mention this morning. Uh, it's a leader in their field, and Synopsis has had a uh, Nice pullback and what looks to be a great long-term chart. What do you think about synopsis, especially with their oh uh, no, this merger—they're paying, they're not paying a lot for it. I'm telling you point blank. I like Cadence, but I'm starting to like this one more. I think this merger is terrific. Synopsis should be bought even up here. Great call, and thank you for uh, being a club member. That's terrific. We had a really good time with Tony Dungy and Rodney Harris this weekend talking about the club. They are very, very supportive. How about Nathan and my daughter's old home state of Oregon, Nathan? Hey, Jim. How are you? I am doing well, Nathan. What are you up to? So, first-time caller and member of the Investment Club. Thank first you. First of all, I want to thank you for all your advice. Thank you. On your recommendation, I bought Workday in 2018 and held on through all of its volatility. It has doubled since that time, and it's hit its 52-week high today, and it's close to its all-time high. Should I continue to maintain this position, trim or sell? Oh, no, we're holding this position. It's breaking out here. Now, look, all these enterprise software companies could have a pullback, uh, and I understand that. But this company is so well run. It's probably, along with ServiceNow and Salesforce, my three favorites in the enterprise software group. It's terrific. Let's go to Greg. Thank you for being a member of the club. Gregory in California. Gregory. Hey, Jim, another member of the club here. Oh, my God. And uh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that. And uh, uh, listen, on a down day like today, I'm, I'm looking at this company that I want to chat with you about, to get your thoughts on, in the cybersecurity uh, uh, area, which hasn't got to like the frothy levels of uh, the club holding Palo Alto Networks, uh, CrowdStrike, and, and others in the space. But I just can't see why old-school company like Checkpoint shouldn't have a two in front of its stock price. Am I wrong here? And no, you're not. not. I think you're absolutely right. I'm surprised that the... Uh, that the uh, uh, P.E. is so reasonable. Uh, you're absolutely right. We did nail Palo Alto Networks, which is probably one of the greatest performing stocks of our time. Uh, Checkpoint cannot do as well as, as Palo Alto. We watch Nikesh Laurel today. He's just got so much momentum. He's the CEO of Palo Alto. But I do think you're right. The Checkpoint's good. And I want to thank all three people who joined the club. And I think you should join the club, too. All right. Now, listen, I've been a big fan of DraftKings for a while now. And its recent pullback has given me a great buying opportunity, given all the interest surrounding the NFL playoffs. Particularly because the daily fantasy where the action is much more mad money ahead after being cut after being, after being out at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. I found that there's some newfound enthusiasm for the healthcare court in general. I'm going to reveal five of my favorite names for 2024. So get your patent and pen out. Then I'm sick of all the endless chatter about when the Fed will cut rates. So I'm revealing six reasons why I believe those analysts have no idea what the heck they're talking about when they say it. And of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
After two weeks of volatile action, we're finally getting a feel for the new year. While the major averages were basically flat coming into this morning, some groups have done very well. For example, the XLV, that's the Healthcare Select Sector Spider Fund, a mouthful, was up more than 3% through the first two weeks of the year, trouncing every other sector in the S&P 500. In fact, this weekend, Goldman Sachs sales desk put out a note to investors pointing out that money managers have heavily overweighted healthcare, which now makes up nearly 22% of single stock net exposure here in the United States. That's a big move up. Now, look, frankly, I don't love these comments from Goldman. Often when everybody's betting the same way, it means you missed the boat. You're too late. I said at the top of the show, I am worried about a short-term overheating in the group because of all the buying power that came out of this J.P. Morgan healthcare conference a week ago. At the same time, I worry about this sector in a presidential election year because both parties love turning big pharma into a political pinata. It's one of the few things they agree on. But you know what? The newfound enthusiasm for healthcare, causing the entire stock market to broaden out, is encouraging, and it still makes a ton of sense to me. This group had a weird moment in 2023. We had some lingering ripple effects from the pandemic. Steadily rising interest rates made it harder for early-stage biotechs to borrow money while making big pharma stocks with big dividends less attractive. Then, as these revolutionary GLP-1 drugs started getting traction, Wall Street became terrified of what that might mean for every other weight loss or diabetes treatment. In the end, the healthcare cohort spent 2023 trading sideways. Now, though, many of the discarded healthcare stocks, they suddenly represent a lot of value. While the pandemic's after effects are firmly behind us, interest rates are indeed coming down. Maybe they've leveled off for now, but they're much lower than they were during that moment. And people are less worried about the impact of GLP-1s wrecking the rest of the industry. More important, on my trip to the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco last week, I got to sit down with a baker's dozen of companies to hear why their stocks were worth owning, especially in the expected pullback. You know what? Most of these pitches sounded real good. So tonight, I want to give you five of my favorite healthcare ideas for 2024. We're going to take them in alphabetical order. First up is Abbott Laboratories. That's a longtime Kramer fave before the pandemic, thanks to their diabetes and cardiovascular franchises. The medical device company's narrative got hijacked by COVID thanks to the testing kits, which helped at first, but then created these impossible comparisons once the world went back to normal. Finally, last year, Abbott was a big loser during the GLP-1 sell-off because many of their devices help people with diabetes and heart disease, two things we'll have a lot less of if everybody's getting Ozempic injections. But for the past three months, Abbott stock has been on fire. It's climbing from 90 to 113 and changing. Guess what? I bet it can keep climbing. This company told a terrific story in San Francisco, starting with the fact that they view COVID as old news. They'll still sell you Binax Now tests, which I keep buying. But as CEO Robert Ford told us, I think Q4, you'll see more of an endemic state okay. of COVID. Uh, yeah, there were more te- there was more cases, but I think it'll be endemic. We will have earnings that will come from it, but it won't be at that level that it was before clouding Good. it. And it'll just be part of our business. In other words, investors can now focus on Abbott's core business again. And all four of these segments, they were growing in a double-digit clip. I mean, once you cleared the smoke yet, I couldn't believe this. More importantly, Abbott sees the rise of these GOP-1 drugs as more of an opportunity than a threat. That surprised me, too. See, the company has data that says that its blood sugar monitors are complementary GLP-1 meds. Now, you may have seen their ads for the Freestyle Libre, the name of the product, in heavy rotation during Wildcard Weekend. And they also have a bunch of protein shakes and powders that are essential for people on these drugs. Because without extra protein, they make your muscles atrophy. 
Second, there's Becton Dickinson and company, the medical device and supply supply. These guys actually make the pre-filled syringes for GOP test one shots. But that's only part of the story. As CEO Tom Poland explained to us, Becton Dickinson's automation solutions will help improve efficiency and control costs all across the industry from hospitals to pharmacies. I also like that you're getting a good entry point here as the stock sold off after the company's last report in November. Thanks to management's conservative guidance. I think Becton Dickinson ends up doing much better than they guided for, which should allow the stock to be a big winner. Third, please don't forget returning healthcare champ Eli Lilly, up nearly 60% last year. Hey, stock got hit badly today. But this was one of the best positions in the Chapel Trust. As I heard company after company in San Francisco explain why they, too, should also be considered GOP-1 winners, and then spoke to Lilly CEO Dave Ricks, it became clear that this company's still way ahead of the pack. Now, if you're worried about a challenger coming up with a GOP-1 treatment that's better because it's in pill format or longer-lasting formulation, rest assured, people, Lilly's working on these, too. More importantly, they are laser-focused on building all the infrastructure needed to produce massive quantities of their GOP-1 drug. That's named Mujaro for diabetes and Zepbound for weight loss. That's everything from additional manufacturing to more efficient sales channels, including the company's Lilly Direct effort announced earlier this month. By the time anyone else brings one of these to market, let me tell you something. Lilly and its only rival, Novo Nordisk, will have a huge competitive moat. It's so hard to build these plants. Plus, you know what? The company's got this big opportunity in Alzheimer's no one's talking about. We have more details on that program later this year. It's why I'm still pushing you like Lilly. Fourth, what I haven't liked for a long time, Medtronic. I know it's a bit jarring to say. The medical device company's been a chronic underperformer for years now. But like Abbott Labs, the stock's made a big recovery since October, climbing from the high 60s to the high 80s. You know what? It's not done. I think it goes still higher. As I revisited Medtronic in preparation for the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, I was struck by the innovation across the company's entire portfolio. Just in recent weeks alone, they've had approvals for a few novel products aimed at treating major cardiovascular chronic diseases, namely hypertension and atrial fibrillation. Meanwhile, Medtronic's challenging intuitive surgery, which, by the way, had a great quarter, in robotic surgery, leading the industry when it comes to breakthrough neuromodulation products and adding AI functionality across the product portfolio. Hey, best of all, the darn thing sells for less than 16 times next year's earnings. That's crazy. Making it the cheapest of my healthcare faves. Think of Medtronic as innovation on sale. No hype in this, this one. Buy it if it comes down. Finally, when I sat down with Regeneron co-founder and CEO Len Schleifer, I was nostalgic about the stock's monster run from under $5 when he came first on the show in 2005, all the way to over 900 now. But this company isn't resting on its laurels, and I think it's got a bright future. First, the core of Regeneron's business is doing very well. Uh, they've recently won some court battles, released a new higher dosage version of their macular degeneration drug, ILEA, ILEA HD, which should help fend off generic competitors for longer than expected. Their anti-inflation drug, inflammation drug, this is really interesting. It's called Dupixent, D-U-P-I-X-E-N-T. Dupixent keeps being approved for new indication after new indication. It is selling well for each one. I think there's a lot under the hood about this Dupixent. And by the way, I think Regeneron has got an underappreciated oncology franchise. Plus, last week I learned that they're working on an antibody drug to be used in combination with GLP-1 treatments. It's something that can help reduce the muscle loss side effects, which can be so severe for the elderly. Oh, boy, there's a lot to like here. You know what? I'm not sure it's going to get that real pullback, but Regeneron's a winner. Bottom line, while I am wary of going overboard with healthcare in an election year, you do have my blessing to go with the most attractive names. I'm going to give them to you again. Write them down. Abbott Labs, Beckton Dickinson, Eli Lilly, Medtronic, and Regeneron. Mad Money is back after the break. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. 
next. I'm coming to you from Chiefs Kingdom, eve of Super Wild Card Weekend on NBC and Peacock. It's an honor. I've been listening to you for a lot of a lot of years. You've given me great advice. You've given me some bad advice as well, <laughs> but I still like you. <laughs> We're bringing out the money man himself and Jim Cramer. Yeah. It's about discipline in stocks and discipline in sports. If you can pick a good team, you understand leadership, you understand what an organization can do. Same exact discipline in picking stocks. Taylor Swift is the 12th man edition of Bad Money. It's been a very interesting, very fun year uh, having the two of them dating. The attention that's been focused on the, on the Chiefs. Our female audience has grown le- leaps and bounds. God, hell yeah! They run into you, dead. George, with a couple sacks that he had, Chris Jones, and those guys brought all their, their mad money with them. This week, we're introduced to a city that is united behind their team in a way that I frankly have never seen before. It was a joy to be welcomed into Kansas City and Chiefs Kingdom. Chiefs! A special thank you to Clark Hunt and the Hunt family, Coach Reed and his wife Tammy, and our fantastic colleagues at NBC Sports for the camaraderie. And now, it is time. It's time for the lightning round. Chris Evans, Mark Bob Coles, one of the receivers, something about Steph Prince, and you're playing us out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, it's time for the lightning round. Chris Evans, let's start with Cal, New York. Carol. Hi, Jim. First, I want to say that you do a public service, making information available and understandable to a lot of people. So thank That's you. what I like. Thank you. That's My what I want to hear. Thank you. You're welcome. My question is this. I'd like to hear your thoughts about why the price of AMPH dropped so much so fast. Um, well, you know what? I think that this was part of one of these situations where once the, and once the pandemic was over, people just don't want it anymore. I don't know. I mean, to me, I want Jim Beckton Dickinson. Let's put it that way. You won't have that kind of up and down thing. Let's go to Dave in Connecticut. Dave. How you doing, Jim? Booyah. I'm doing well. Booyah to you, Dave. What's up? Hey, you know, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I made a few bucks on Moderna and sold out. And now I see it's dropped to about $100 a share. What are your thoughts on that? I think that Stefan Pencel is the real deal. I would back Moderna here. I even debated for the Chapel Trust, but I have to like some of the less uh, kind of Let's say you speculative once. Let's go to Dave in Florida this time. Dave. Hey, Jim. I like your segment on healthcare. That was a great, great job you did. And I have a question Thank for you. you about a company that's got uh, $18 billion of cash. It's got a market cap of $24 billion, a little pipeline of business, but uh, doesn't seem to be moving. Biontech. Hold on to that one. I don't understand why it's so inexpensive. I, th- I, I just don't. I think you've got a good one there. Let's go to Joe in my home state, New Jersey. Joe. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank Joe. you for taking my call. Of course. What's uh, happening? I, yeah, no, I just uh, came back from doing a little snow shoveling and salting at Mom's. Got to take care of Mom. Yeah, not good thoughts. You're, we're all agree. Everyone's yeah. agreeing. They're all nodding their heads. What's up? Uh, I'm looking to add some uh, silver to my portfolio. Is Pan American Silver Corp a buy? That is the best one of the silver companies, yes. They really shelled that group. I was looking at gold, G-O-L-D, today. Holy cow, they crushed it. Let's go to Dan in Ohio. Dan. Booyah, Jimmy. Thanks for taking the call. Oh, sure, Dan. Absolutely. What's happening? Question for him. Lockheed Martin. 
What's holding it back? It peaked, it seemed like, back in November of 2022. Uh, it's just buy it. I'm telling you, it's, it's Jim Takelet, and, and there's a lot of belief that the budget deficit is a problem for them. I think that the problem for them is there's just not enough buyers of stock, and it, they will happen. I want you to hold on to that. Steve in Washington. Steve! Hey, Kramer. Uh, I have a holding of Allion that I got from a spinoff with my portfolio being based mostly on dividends. I'm thinking of selling it and using the proceeds to buy a higher dividend-paying stock. What do you think? And the stock is? Halion. Halion. Yeah, I would do that, uh, but only because of your dividend uh, parameters. I actually like the company Halion, but it doesn't offer the uh, income that you want. I mean, maybe you want like something like from, a, I don't know, a, like a realty income, letter O. I mean, that kind of thing if you want to go far afield. Let's go to Mark in Iowa. Mark. Hi, Jim. I'm a founding member and would like to ask the newest Chiefs fan a stock question. <laughs> sure. What's up? It looks like rate cuts may happen this year. To some extent, this should help the struggling REIT. Using our club indicators on when to buy, I'm keeping an eye on a REIT that has a 9.2% dividend, a P.E. ratio of 16 times. The CEO has a good track record and is very impressive every time I see him interviewed. I think he has a good world view. They have just purchased 10 hotels in London. What are your thoughts on STWD? Okay, that's Barry Sternlich. And you know what? I'm willing to take his dividend and wait for that turn. I think you've got everything you said about it. He'd be proud of and I agree with. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. I am so sick of all this endless chatter about when the Fed will cut interest rates. This is the kind of thing that plays havoc with your money. It drives me crazy because the dirty little secret of the stock market is that the economy is actually very, very strong. And there are only a few areas of weakness. And in a strong economy, frankly, there is no hurry for the Fed to cut rates. Let me tick down what I see, not from a fatuous top-down analyst approach, but from my own, I think, more rigorous and empirical bottoms-up thinking. First, mortgage rates got to 8% that ugly moment in October, and it didn't really even dent home sales. And that's because there just aren't enough homes for sale. The price of housing is still almost 40% higher than it was in 2019. How can that be considered weak or good for that matter? Rents aren't leveling off, but we have to wait until all the units that we started building right after COVID hit the market. Maybe then there'll be a decline. If there isn't, then the housing complex is just way too strong to warrant a rate cut now. Considering how much people spend on rent or paying their mortgage, how the heck is the Fed supposed to cut when rents aren't coming down much at all? My hope is that the home builders finally build too many homes, so prices will finally come down. And when they do, there'll be a pause in buying, which will cause prices to go still lower. Sure, it hasn't happened yet. And it won't happen if the Fed starts cutting now. Second, vehicle prices, both new and used, have held up surprisingly well. Yes, financing has gotten more expensive, but once again, the higher rates haven't cut back on the number of vehicles sold. In fact, the number of new vehicles leaving the lot is very high. Used car prices have stopped falling and remain incredibly expensive historically. As long as employment remains strong, and it sure is, while wages aren't going down, and they aren't, then car prices will stay high. Third, the cost of going places, whether it be airfare, hotels, entertainment tickets, hasn't come down one whit. 
The cost of doing things has never been higher, and only the price of gasoline has come back in. And now that we could be uh, look changing for the worse now that the Red Sea is halfway to being a war zone, I think gasoline goes higher. Tickets for games and concerts are still way too high. Taylor Swift may be beloved, but she's ground zero for entertainment inflation. Fourth, have you seen your insurance bills lately? I follow these companies and their rate hikes are endlessly moving higher. Yes, there are huge tax paid for by everyone, except for their shareholders, I guess. And the rates are up dramatically from pre-COVID levels. Fifth, I've yet to see any restaurants roll back prices, let alone any alcohol prices decline, even as many alcohol companies now have way too much inventory. Incredible that they won't break price. Food prices are way, way too high. Yes, Costco has stopped the inflation, but their whole model is about moving very high volumes at a lower price point. You can't extrapolate anything from how good Costco's doing. Six, apparel's come down a bit, but if you don't go to an off-price chain like a TGX, you won't see any difference. So let me ask you, when you hear people predicting six rate cuts this year, what planet are these guys living on? I think they're fools who do no homework and just sit around and suck their thumbs. So let's stop the nonsense and bet on no cuts until several months after the March Fed meeting. Then maybe prices will have fallen, but I bet they sure have it. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Kramer on this podcast are solely Kramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Kramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Kramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Kramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.